younger musicians coming along. Yep. <coughs> What's coming? All right, don't overdo it. Now, come on. Now, this year is a very special year for this church because how old are we? We're 70. Now, I'm going to take just a very little brief trip down memory lane, and it probably won't be your memories, but um, 62 years ago, almost to the month, this building was five years old, or what part of it was, and a wee boy from Belfast, eight years old, so he was, he came in and he walked into this building, and the way he used to walk into the building was this way over here. All over here was the office. You used to come in through the office. You did. Do you remembers? So you do. Oh, Kim remembers. So she does. You used to come in through the office and you'd walk in through here. You'd come into the main building through this, this little piece here. You'd walk through the cupboard. <laughs> Except there was no cupboard. And you walk in here, and the building was this size here. But before you got to the building, the main sanctuary, there was a wee room just here. I'll stop talking like that, shall I? <laughs> this bit here was a doorway just where the door is. This bit here, as far back as here, Hello, everybody at home. I'm walking around, I know. And down to here, along to that wall there, and up that way, was a room about the size of the one that's over that way. And there was a little plaque on the door. And it said, Prayer Room. And that room, although it was used for other purposes, it was a prayer room. And something about this church... Now, when I came in here as an eight-year-old, I was terribly unimpressed because it was a titchy little place. You wouldn't give tuppence halfpenny for in a boot sale. Because I'd come from a big church in Belfast, which was actually a former music hall. Yes, I know. So we had a a minor hall down below, which we had the youth meetings, and upstairs there was a big grand, just like a music hall really, a big, big auditorium. The building no longer exists because it was structurally unsound. But I came from this large building, a large church, to a pokey little place, five years old, and yet one of the things that really struck me was the fact that it had a prayer room. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, the subject of prayer. How many people have had answered prayer? Hands down. How many people have never had any answered prayer? <laughs> You're not going to put your hand up anyway, are you? No. <laughs> How many people believe in prayer? And because the next 
<laughs> the next question is, well, why don't you pray then? <laughs> but it's the not the popular. It's not the not the sort of glitzy meeting to go along to, is it? Praise and worship, yeah. A live band, fantastic. A moving speaker, yes. Prayer meeting, nah. Can't be bothered with that. And yet, prayer is so important. And more over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some characters from the Bible who used prayer. They believed in prayer and they prayed. And the first one that I've chosen, because I'm down first, let me just make sure. I hope this thing works. I hope it's energized. Is Hannah. It does work. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu. Isn't that bean curd or something, Tohu? Is it you? Oh, that's Tofu, sorry. Okay. The, the, um, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite, he had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. And I would say, I think this is... This story gives us a very good reason why polygamy is not really necessarily a great idea. Um, polygamy was in more than one wife, basically. It's not a great idea, is it? I once spoke to some a Mormon who preferred to be known as a Latter-day Saint. And of course, at certain times, and in certain sects of Mormonism, Polygamy is encouraged, um, having more than one wife. And, and I just sort of, well, I thought I'd challenge him over this. And I said to him, and he was a very smartly dressed young American chap, nice haircut, nice suit, very respectful, had a little badge on. And I said, what about this polygamy? Oh, no, we don't, we don't do polygamy. I said, well, hang on a minute. You used to do polygamy. You used to have polygamy. Oh, yeah. For a certain time, it was permitted to build up Zion. Well, I mean, whatever they were building up, it wasn't Zion. I mean, a few people, settlers from Utah, is not building up Zion. Nevertheless, of course, some people still practice it. But I would say that polygamy is an extremely bad idea. There are some people who went to Extreme lengths. Take, for example, King Solomon. Um, <clears throat> I think what he went in for was absolutely frightening. Hundreds and hundreds of wives and a bunch of women as well. Um, very frightening uh, subject. Um, but anyway, here's the two women. Year after year. Oh, by the way, just to say... When the Romans were entered the, 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 the Holy Land and took it over, and they realised that polygamy was still going on amongst the Jewish people, they were absolutely outraged and disgusted. How can you carry on this immoral and awful practice of, of polygamy? It's dreadful, it's shocking. Now, 
couple of years ago, Julie and I, oh, and Karen as well, we went to visit <clears throat> Pompeii. And we found out some of the goings-on in Roman cities. And for them to say that polygamy was an awful and immoral practice is a bit rich, I would say. A bit rich. Anyway, um, it wasn't, I think, until the 11th century that actually it was finally phased out amongst the Jewish people. Anyway, let's carry on. Sorry, we, get, we need to get there. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. They were a couple of rascals. But anyway, that's another story again. Whenever the day came for, en- for Elkanah, Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. I'm just going to hold it right there. Her rival. Now, if you've got two wives who are rivals, it doesn't lend itself to a happy home, does it? If you've got one wife who's a rival, it doesn't lend itself to you. But, but anyway, not Julie, of course. That, you know, present company accepted. But anyway, if you've got, um, you know, two, one, one wife has children, and one wife can't have children, and the wife with children decides to make it her mission, her hobby, her practice, to provoke the other one, make a mockery of her, make her feel rotten and useless because she can't have children. That is never going to be a very happy home, is it? And it looks to me as if Elkanah loved Hannah more than he loved Penina. Anyway, we, we move on. This went on. That's where we left it, wasn't it? This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah... Sorry, let me just find my place on my tablet. Yes. Whenever... Sorry. Have I... Ah, yes. Give portions of meat to his wife, to all his sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Sorry, I'm getting a bit confused here myself. That's because I'm 70. Anyway, the thing is, same age as the the church, he loved Hannah because he gave her a double portion of the meat. And I'd like us just to, to break off here and just look at that, this principle of having a double portion. When, <clears throat> whenever the men have a breakfast and Peter cooks up and, and others cook up a wonderful spread, some of us like to have a double portion. Well, if it's all, you don't want to see the good food go to waste, do you? I mean, that's fair. It's only going to end up in the recycling bin, isn't it? You don't blame 
a fella for having a double portion, do you? Do you? No, of course you don't. Double portion. The principle of double portion in the Bible is mentioned a few times. And the double portion, first of all, is you can see it in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy it says, this is talking about a man, must acknowledge the son of his unloved wife. So even if he has more than one wife, and he doesn't love one of them, but she happens to have the first son, which sounds an awful sort of situation to be in anyway, but even, even a wife you don't love, who gives birth to a son, that son should be given a double share of all he has. That son is the first sign of his father's strength. The right of the firstborn belongs to him. He's the heir. So the firstborn, the heir, the, the one who inherits everything, or double, more than anyone else. So that's, double, that's the first mention of double portions in the Bible. And in two kings, uh, then there's this situation about Hannah. She gets a double portion because her husband loves her. <clears throat> and then there's this one, which is Elisha and Elijah. Now Elijah is the older prophet, and he went around and he did what God told him to do. And just before he was due to be taken by God in a chariot of fire, when they'd crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah replied then, that's a difficult thing you're asking. He said, but if you see me when the Lord takes me, you'll get that. You'll get the double portion of the Spirit of God. And can I just say, as, as a little aside here, for people who want to do something for God, I had a, a piece of advice given by it was David Pawson, I think, at one of the spring harvests. And we all were given this, if people who, who were in leadership come along to... <clears throat> Be an Elisha to an Elijah. In other words, team up with someone, learn from them. Someone who's older has done it before and wiser. Don't waste, don't waste the experience. Don't waste all that knowledge and wisdom that has been acquired. Now, to say that old people are wise, are always wise, is a, is a stupid thing to say, isn't it? But it, they could be. And you can see and you can judge and you can discern, has God given that person a gifting? Do you want a double portion of the same spirit that's in that person? So there's that. And then in Isaiah, here's another double portion. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. It's talking to the kingdom of the, to the nation of Israel. <coughs> And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And so, this is a promise for the nation of Israel, that they will receive a double portion. And do, why do we want a single portion if we could have a double portion? So there's that thought to leave with you, the double portion. And Hannah 
was getting a double portion from her husband who loved her. But actually, giving her extra meat is probably not the thing that she was really longing for. You know, a second helping. Anyway, let's move on and we get to the real nub of it. <clears throat> this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And this is a horrible situation. The other wife who's got children who can lord it over someone. And can I just say to us, as believers and as Christians in the fellowship, don't lord it over anybody else if you've got something that they haven't got. Don't do that. That's just not right. But here's the other thing that I think we ought to look at, is that Hannah, at no time do we read that Hannah responded in the same way to insult this other wife in the kind of same way, you know, you know, you're barren, you've got no children, you know, and all this sort of stuff, horrible stuff. We never read anywhere in Scripture that Hannah responded in the same way. She never fired back, spat back. And again, there's another lesson for us. If someone says something unkind to us, do we come straight back with a little quick response and, you know, shoot them down as well. I don't think that that's what the Lord wants of us. Anyway, we're moving on. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean mourn to you than ten sons? Now, a little word to the gentleman. Sometimes we think we're saying the right thing, which will actually make the matter better. Elkanah gives us the absolute template of how not to respond. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? The answer is no, you don't. You don't even come close. Because when a woman can't have children and wants children, that is a very, very deep feeling, felt thing. Us men can't really get into, into that very easily because we are not built the same way as women. And to say that men and women are sort of much the same is totally wrong. We are different. And it is a challenge being in a relationship, being married. It is a challenge because we don't always think the same way. But it's what God wants to bless. And so, gentlemen, the approach that... Um, Elkanah gave was not really, um, it didn't, didn't really cut the mustard, to be honest. Um, and so we have to be much more, gentlemen, we have to be much more sympathetic. We must be more in tune with the needs of our partner, our wife. We do need to, and some of this stuff that, you know, we, we think is all right is not. But, you know, you and the Lord just work things through. You and your wife work it through. <clears throat> so where does Hannah turn to? Once they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, 
Hannah stood up. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, she turns to the Lord. She's obviously a godly woman. She's obviously a woman who walks with the Lord. But how deep is her distress that not only can she not have children, but she's getting fired at by the other woman. And her life was being made a miserable existence. So where does she go? She goes to the Lord. You ever feel that your life is in a terrible, shocking state? You feel you're being attacked on all sides? Well, don't read a book of positive thinking. Turn to the Lord and turn to his word. Go to the Lord and ask for him. Plead with him. Now, she makes this deal with God. Now, I'm not advocating that because, to be honest, what can we give to the Lord that he hasn't already got? And yet, God still hears us. God still wants us to come to him. And if we, we really desire something and it's his will, just pour out your heart to the Lord. This is what Hannah did. She wanted to have children. And she said, Lord, if you just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And he can follow you. He can be your servant. Now, of course, we can't, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created the world. He created each one of us. The most amazing array of plants and animals and insects and reptiles and the number of different foods that we've got in this world is, is absolutely marvellous. It is so amazing. We can't give God anything. And yet he still wants us to come to him and offer what we've got. I'm sure, I know, I'm convinced he was pleased with us this morning as we worshipped him, as we glorified his name this morning. I'm convinced of that. And this is what Hannah did. She turned to the Lord. Lord, just remember me. I'll give him to the Lord. No, He will be raised as a, as a Nazarite, I believe is the, is the term. And she, as she kept on praying to the Lord... Eli observed her. He observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. got a bit annoyed. Such was her grief and her misery and her, her pleading to the Lord. She was mouthing the words. She was praying to him. She was pouring her heart out to him. And I believe the Lord really does hear when we really feel something. Sometimes we pray and it's sort of, Lord, bless so-and-so, thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. She really felt this. She was really pouring her heart out to God. Please, Lord, give me a son. And he thought she was drunk. Hannah said, not so, my Lord. 
Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Pour out our soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now Eli, was a, he's a wise old man. He offered a few words of encouragement. He said, May your servant find favour in his eyes, in your eyes, sorry. Then she went away. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She trusted God, that God was going to answer that prayer, the prayer that she had poured out. Eli just gives her that word of encouragement, that word of affirmation. Maybe we can give a word of affirmation to someone who we know is going through the mill. Maybe we could do that. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. She poured her heart out to the Lord in great anguish. She trusted God. She believed that he was going to answer that prayer. Eli, the wise old buzzard, gave her those few words of, of encouragement and she took them and she put away her misery and I guess she was able to withstand the attacks of Penina and she went about her business and soon she was given the son. And she then kept her part of the bargain and gave Samuel to Eli to serve the Lord with, with Eli, to learn the trade, if you like, to learn. And I always I think there's a, there's a little passage that says each year she went up there to, to Shiloh and she made, she made him a little... A little robe to wear and it must have been hard for her to actually give away her son in that respect and it must have been hard but God did honor her prayer now here's the question do we really have something that we really are seeking God over do we have how deeply do we feel it how deeply do we ask him Have we got the faith to believe that God can answer these deep, deeply felt prayers? We'll just move on one more chapter. Now there is, in chapter 2, there is a beautiful prayer that Hannah prays in, in praise to the Lord, giving thanks to him. We don't have time to look at it today. We might look at it later on in the year. But, I want us just to look at this little portion. Double portion for Hannah, more like a quintuple portion, 
because the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So, prayer. Conversation with God. Yes, we can ask God for things. Yes, we can ask him just because we feel it. God knows what we're like. God knows our thoughts. He knows our desires. And he wants to answer them. But, however, we need to pray in God's will. God answers prayer. I know that there are many people in here who can testify to answered prayer. Hannah is someone who could testify to answered prayer. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads now and we're just going to come to the Lord and we're going to just quietly think about what it is that that we want God to do for us. What do we want God to do on a personal level or on a larger, wider level? How deeply do we feel it? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for that story of Hannah. Lord, I just pray that we would have the same attitude as she had. That when people come against us, we don't respond in the same way. But we focus on what we what we desire and what we want for you, Father. Lord, make us dreamers for your kingdom. Lord, just give us an inspiration that we can pray through. Lord, give us imagination that we can see what you can achieve in our lives, in this church, in the town. Father, I just pray that you would just touch each one of us by your Spirit and give us a double portion. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.